So he calls us to be set apart, to be different. Sometimes you got to choose it, but like you follow Jesus, let me just say this, you will be different. <laughs> you'll, you'll be set apart. You don't have to wear a particular style of clothing. You don't have to say particular words. When you follow Jesus, you're going to look different from the world. You're going to go against the flow. You're going to be like this guy. Everybody's going to work, and he's like, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm ready. I, I'm, I'm doing something different today. I don't think he's necessarily skipping out on work. I shouldn't put that on him. I don't know. But I do know that he looks different and he's set apart. So we're going to go through, as Pastor John said, the book of Romans through September. For some of you, you're like, and I'm out. <laughs> Please don't. The book of Romans has been said by Christian people and non-Christian people to be the most important book on Christianity in the Bible. Not everybody agrees with that, but everybody agrees it's profound. It's huge. Paul wrote it from Corinth, desperately wanting to go to Rome. Do you know, do you know what Rome was way back in that day? Yeah, what, we didn't, yeah, they persecuted Christians, so that was starting to happen a little bit right around that time, but just a tiny bit. It was the world power. It was the seat of power. Literally all roads led to Rome. They had this thing called the Pax Romana, which was peace of Rome. And they had all these rules that, you know, you rule the household and then the community will be good and peaceful and everything will be wonderful and so will the empire. And Paul was like, man, I so want to go there. And Christians were there. And he wrote this letter, 16 chapters. He wrote it to Christians there. He knew that there was a Christian church there. And maybe that Christian church came from what we read a few weeks ago or actually a couple months ago now. This idea in the book of Acts where God gave his spirit and he empowered his church with his spirit. And they actually were speaking in languages they didn't know, but other people did. And they're like, oh, do you know that some of the people there were from Rome? A lot of these people stayed for a while, but then they're like, you know what? I'm going to go back home. I'm going to take this. And we know that God has said, look, I'm spreading this message from Jerusalem to Judea, which was nearby, Samaria, which was not as close, and people that were different, and then to the very ends of the earth. And Paul's like, I got to get to Rome. And he did eventually get to Rome and got his head cut off. But he was very excited to go there. And God had warned him, this will be your swan song. And he's like, cool, I'm going to go as a disciple, as a an apostle as a messenger, as a set-apart one, to the seat of the Gentile power, and I'm going to tell them about Jesus. And he did. And part, I mean, he's writing ahead of time, like, look, I want to tell you all about this. And so, you guys, there is a number of different things that I've been looking at on, on what this book of Romans is. And there's kind of like this key kind of theme through it is this idea of God 
being holy. And so we hear the word gospel, and the gospel is simply put, Jesus died for sinners, of which everybody was, and we'll check that out in Romans 3. Everybody hit that mark. Ah, I'm a sinner. I don't got it together. If anybody thinks that they're perfect, that should be a really good indicator that they don't have it figured out. And there's a lot of Christians that think they do, and he's just saying, look, there's nobody. So it's, look, you're only justified, only as if you've never sinned, by faith in Jesus. And so Jesus died for us, and he rose from the dead. And whoever would believe that would not perish but have everlasting life. That they would repent, right? They would stop being the king or the queen of their lives. And that looks like a lot of different things to a lot of different people, but ultimately it looks like you calling the shots, not God. And the good news is, is that Jesus said, I call the shots, and here's my call. I want to pay for you. And that's one of the main themes all the way through the Bible. We don't quite always get it, but the gospel, the good news is all the way through. But in Romans, starts with it. And it's all the way through. Also is this holiness idea, being set apart, being different. So yesterday, my son Zach said, hey, Dad, maybe you could come and help me with some wood and we can deliver it to a friend of ours. And I'm like, yeah, sure, I, I can do that. I mean, baseball started this week. I'm a little bit sore just from nothing, basically, but I'm sore. <laughs> and... And I get out there, and he's like, yeah, this wood is so good, it's ready, and it splits super easy. I was like, all right, let's go. Yeah, I made a lot of kindling, if you don't know. It's tinking, tinking stuff everywhere, and I'm just like, sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. But he, this was set apart. It was ready to be used for a purpose. There's other stuff that's set apart, like it needs to season a little bit. God has intentionally, from a holiness standpoint, said, I'm holy, you be holy, I'm going to set you apart. In Romans, we see that all the way through. It's about so many things. But that one right there leads to this next thing. It's about, it's about righteousness, the right way to go about life. Can anybody tell you what the right way to go about life is? Some of you are married, and you're like, yeah, my wife does all the time. <laughs> Some of you aren't married, and you're like, yeah, the government. Some of you who are married and know full well that it's your kids that just dictate how life is going to go. And some of you don't have children, and you say, no, it's me. I am the one that says what's right. And still more of you say, no, it's Jesus. He gets to call the shots. I challenge him sometimes if I'm being honest, but I repent and I turn back to him. That leads me, if there's righteousness, then God says that there's a way for things to go. And it's in his word, and it's called doctrine. Can you guys say that word with me? Doctrine. doctrine. Do you know that everybody has a doctrine? This is your view of life. This is how life is supposed to go. This is your perspective. 
I've written a whole lot of things in my notes, but what you believe is your doctrine. It's instruction. It governs your lives. Let's talk about two people really quick that have doctrine. They believe something. They're on the top of this bridge, and they're looking around. And one of those people says, I believe I can fly. And the other one says, hmm, I don't believe I can fly. Their doctrine will dictate what happens next. They will actually live out what they believe. We live out what we believe. What is your doctrine? The Bible says that there's good doctrine, and it's where God calls the shots. And we have so many different people that have manipulated doctrine to make it fit what they want. Go back to Rome for a second when they actually finally received the gospel and quit killing Christians and all that. It transformed Rome. But many of the Roman authorities wanted Christianity so they could control people. And they manipulated doctrine. Good doctrine says there's a God and he's the only one. And we'll see that. And so because he calls the shots, because he has this lifestyle application that we're supposed to live, Romans is going to tell us that. And we think it's worth going through all the way till September. There's so many things. You guys, we're already going to be in a bunch of different things, books of the Bible, other than Romans, just this morning. But on this intro, I want you to understand that we're talking about God being the one that says, this is right. This is what I want you to do. Not what Baptists or Catholics or rich or poor or whatever, but what I say. So let me to three final words here that we're going to see in the book and throughout the book of Romans. Purpose. What's your purpose? There's so many people that want to know what their purpose is. What's my purpose? What am I here for? What am I supposed to do? What a great question. And I don't think that you're just going to flip to Romans and all of a sudden he's going to say, this is the job you need to do right here, right now. But he will show you your purpose is to glorify him, to honor him, to follow him. All the things you said before, righteousness, holiness, the good news, the gospel. That I mean, he's preaching the gospel to a bunch of people who already know it. I literally have had people leave this church because we preach the gospel too much. Yeah, no, and you know what? We've also preached it incompletely at times. I haven't talked about all the implications, and I don't know all of the implications are going to be in your life, but there's more than just, hey, God loved you so much that he gave his one only son. You believe in him, he won't go to hell. Have a great day. <laughs> I got to get a little bit deeper than that. We got to look at what it looks like, but we got to keep gospeling each other. We got to keep gospeling ourselves. And so our purpose is to glorify God, to honor him. That leads to our identity. You're going to see identity all of comes back to the whole set apart. You're set apart for God's glory, for his goodness, for the benefit of others. You will have your needs met by loving God and loving others as you love yourself. Jesus said it was the greatest commandment. So as Christians, we take him serious. And we repent when he uncovers through his word, you haven't been doing it. You're not where you're supposed to be. Okay, 
forgive me, show me. It's not like he's like, uh, you may not be coming home. I may not accept you unless you're perfect. You guys, our identity is in Christ. We're not in the book of Ephesians, but if you go to the book of Ephesians, over 40 times you hear in Christ or in Jesus or in him. And look at all of the implications in there if you want some, like, you're a hardcore geek out Bible scholar type person. Listen, I'm not just talking to the ladies, but ladies, it's mostly you. <laughs> but if you're that person, go to Ephesians and find all of what it means to be in him. But Romans also unpacks a great many of those things. And finally, there's intentionality. You've got to be intentional. And I'm talking to people who are here or watching online. You're being intentional at least here. Many of you are intentional to study the Bible, so much so that when I don't actually uncover all the implications, you come up and you're like, hey, did you think about it? And I'm like, bring it. Let's just go ahead. Let's sharpen one another. We have people that are in Bible studies. We have people that are in home fellowship groups. We have people right now that are downstairs in a class because they want to know some of the foundations of this faith. They're being intentional. And so, let's be intentional. Let's be people that are holy by God's grace, by his power, that we would be about the gospel, that we would be about identity wrapped up in him. Will you join me in Romans 1? We're going to go 1 through 7, but I'm going to unpack it a tad bit slowly, but we got people that are downstairs teaching and loving on children, and we've got us that, one of my pastor's father in the faith used to say, Aaron, people can only receive as much as their backsides can endure. <laughs> he said, listen, man, sometimes less is more, and I'm still battling him on that to this day. I don't want to just say a bunch of stuff. I want to be intentional. I want to point you to Jesus. So, Father, have your way in me. Have your way through me. Have your way with us right now as we look at what it means in the book of Romans to be set apart. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Paul's a guy that we didn't really cover very much at all in our last series. We just were introduced to him. His name was Saul at that point, and he was hardcore about doctrine. So much so that he was a Pharisee, a leader of all kinds of different people, but in particular, the people of Israel would look at him as a teacher of Israel, and he said that this Jesus group of people are bad. And he killed them. And Jesus knocked him down with light and said, you're actually persecuting me. And he came to Christ. And his life was fully changed. Even got a new name, Paul. But he says here, servant. Some of your translations may say bondservant. Some of them may say slave. It's the word doulos. Which, if you have one of these rad scripture journals, you can open up to the preface and it'll tell you that the translated word doulos means those different things depending on the context. 
We hear the word slave, and we should be completely like, what? What do you mean by slave? What does that mean exactly? Are we talking like this transatlantic slave debauchery? Maybe. There's some people that were enslaved in the Bible. There's some people who were bond servants who actually committed for seven years to be servants. And then at the end of those seven years, they were free to go. Somebody who's enslaved isn't free to go. These people could have been. And then there's some people, this doulos, this Greek word means like they're just, they're serving. It's like their day job. And a lot of people were like, I don't think Paul meant slave. And if he did mean slave, then they would have translated it slave. And there's lots of different places where that's there. I'm not here to argue or debate with you. Legitimately, we can. And we can discuss stuff. And we can get at it. But Paul got literally knocked down by the light of Jesus Christ. And he was told, you're going to know how much it costs to serve me. That doesn't sound like a dude that just said, meh. I'll be there if I feel like it. I'll go to work when I feel like it. Reminds me of the story of this guy that I worked with in the shipyard. It could have been me, but it was actually him. You know how it is. Ask him for a friend, and really what you mean is it's you, but this is really him. He told my boss in front of me, he goes, look, I'm not into quantity. I'm into quality. So I won't be here for 40 hours, but the eight that I give you is going to be solid. <laughs> and he said, and you'll be looking for a new job. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that you don't get to choose sometimes what you're going to do with Jesus because there's intentionality. But when he pays for you, you actually become his. Let's go. All the way back to Exodus really quick. You can keep your finger in Romans or if you have your screen, I don't know how you want to do it. There's lots of options. Or you just look up on the screen because we got Nate up there running it. Thank you very much. Exodus 21.6. God has given a ton of laws and intentionality to Moses to give to his people. And in Exodus 21.2-6, we find out a very fascinating thing about slavery and service. It's similar to the word doulos, it's ebed. And ebed can mean slave, can mean bondservant, can mean servant. He says, Exodus 21 2, when you buy a Hebrew slave, he shall serve six years, and in the seventh, he shall go out free for nothing. If he comes in single, he shall go out single. If he comes in married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master gives him a wife and she bears him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out alone. But if the slave plainly says, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free. Then his master, now hang with me, please. This is the word, and I believe it. It's weird. His master shall bring him to God, and he shall bring him to the door or the doorpost. 
and his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall become his slave forever. Did he choose to be a slave forever, or did somebody enslave him in this, what we're seeing? He chose it. This is intentionality. This is, I love my master. Let's go to a couple of other passages. I told you we were just going to be in Romans. Here we go. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. This is Paul. Now, Romans was written on his third trip to Corinth. This was written on his first or second, depending on who you want to talk to and listen to on it. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Remember, empowered, Holy Spirit in you, gives you the power to do all these things that we're talking about. Don't you know that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. Anybody following along, what was the price that Christians were bought with? Jesus, I see your hand. What does it say? Jesus? Good. We're at church. Jesus, right? Good. What about Jesus? Gave his life. Look, I, I fumbled when I talked, and you, if you're looking on the app at all, you'll see that there's a summary of today's message. I don't believe that God died. I do believe that Jesus died. I believe that Jesus is God. I believe that he was 100% man and 100% God. I believe that Jesus, perfect sacrifice, died for us as man. But God has never, ever stopped being God. Ever. Jesus laid down his life. And last week I was corrected. Was he murdered? Yes. Did he lay down his life? Yes. He says, nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own accord. So he let them kill him. They, in their minds, are like, we're murdering this guy. He's done. And he's like, but I'm back. <laughs> and that's the power of the gospel. Isn't just his death, but resurrection. You can't have resurrection without death. How good. But here he says, you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. If you will, just one book over. 2 Corinthians 3. Again, letter to the church in Corinth, and he's sharing with them. 2 Corinthians 3.17, he says, Now the Lord, Master, this is Yahweh, this is God. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Okay, now let's put all this together really quick. There is a Master. And his name is Yahweh, Yeshua, Jesus. He bought you at a price. But he's not the kind of master where you have to be afraid and he's going to beat you. He's not the kind of master that is going to do something for you that's bad for you. It may not be comfortable and it may not feel safe, but it will never be bad because no bad things come from God. So if he's our master, our Lord, then we can say without any kind of fear, we're his slaves. We're his bond servants. We're his servants. And as Nate said, we're also his friends. How does all of that work? Because God is awesome and multifaceted. But you actually have been chosen and bought. And you get to choose by his grace whether you're going to follow him or not. 
And so I don't, I'm not freaked out by this word doulos. I'm not freaked out by the word slave. And I'm also not freaked out if people are like, you didn't go to college, so I don't know if I'm really following you. Cool. Look it up. It's good. There's so many different ways you can look at this, but at the end of it, you are serving Jesus because he paid for you and he chose you. And that's what he says here. Next he says, he called me to be an apostle set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel of God. He owns it. He designed it. He created it. He gave it to us. And some people are like, nah, I don't want it. That's your free will, which he also gave us. But if you actually have chosen and believed and received the gospel, then you understand this, the gospel of God. And he's the one that says this is how it's supposed to work. And he called this man to be an apostle, a messenger, a set-apart one to go out and give them. There's Later he talks about apostleship. Everybody has that opportunity, but apostle, I really do believe that in this strictest sense, it had to be those people that were originally there. I think there's apostleship where you have leaders underneath you. But I don't think anybody other than the 12 plus him were apostles in the same way. Because there were some really significant requirements for that, which I won't even get into. But they, Jesus showed himself to Paul in a really significant way. And those disciples, those apostles were still alive and they could say, yeah, he's actually one of us. They were freaked out about him at first because you remember he was a card-carrying Christian killer. But Jesus transformed him. And he's like, I'm a slave of Jesus. I'm the bondservant of Jesus. I'm choosing because he chose me. He's my master. I love him. Give me an earring. <laughs> That's back to Exodus. Okay, anyway, so. If you're set apart for the gospel of God, you've been given your purpose. It's to live for his glory. We got to go. Listen, Romans 1, 2 through 4. Here we go. So you're set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. This is the Old Testament. The gospel was promised beforehand. Concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh. So as a man, he came from King David, just like he was supposed to. They would have known that's what the Messiah would be. Now he was also declared to be the son of God. Son of David, son of God. Man, God. Bioanthropos. It's kind of this big, fancy word that means God-man. The best superhero ever. He was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Who is this? Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so I want to read for you out loud these words, and you see them on the screen right now. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Savior, yes. Lord, yes. Master, what he says goes. Now Romans 1, 5 through 7, we'll finish 
with this as far as the text is concerned. Through whom? Through Jesus. We have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. We've been given this holiness. We've been given this good news. We've been given this grace, this apostleship, so we can be obedient with our faith for the sake of Jesus' name for everybody everywhere, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Can I say something about the word called really quick? You can have someone shout, call, hey! That's one. But there's a call from God that isn't like a, hey, I'd just like to give you a little invitation. Give me an RSVP if you want to show up. Do you know what he actually says? That word called is that God says you were dead. Now I made you alive. Come to me. And that's not an invitation where you're like, mm, I don't really feel like it today. No, he makes you alive. It's a call from God. He's like, look, we're called to belong to Jesus Christ. Again, whether you like servant, bond servant, or slave, you are his. And he's good all the time. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to remind you that this was written to the church. Really quick, what does it mean to be a saint? You've been called, you're chosen, servant of God. Good. Anybody else? Uh, don't you have to like have so many different like miracles attributed to you and you have to have done something really significant in your lifetime to be called a saint? <laughs> it helps. I will say this. When you do those things, it's a, as a result of recognizing that he's the power, that he's the one that sets you apart. It helps for others to think that you're a saint, but God says that his saints are his set-apart ones. Who set them apart, them or him? Him, and yet we get to walk it out. Does somebody else have something about saints before we move on? It's a position in Christ. <laughs> he sets you apart. You're a saint, not because you put up with somebody for 34 years of marriage. That sounds Really specific. <laughs> you guys, the word grace has been mentioned twice. And so before we talk about what it means for us to move towards Jesus, what does grace mean? That's good. Amen. Can't earn it. Can't lose it. But by the very nature of the word, you can ignore it. And I pray in Jesus' name that you receive that grace, that you be set apart, that you walk out this life as a servant. Walk out this life as one who's been bought. Walk out this life as one who's been set apart for the glory of God, for his kingdom, for his work, for his glory, and for your benefit. 
So how will you move towards Jesus today? The Holy Spirit speaking to you in whatever way he is. I'm not going to try to be his voice. I am going to say to you that I know that some of you are hearing right here, right now, that you need to submit. You need to actually say, I've been bought at a price, and I've been thinking it was me that did it. Forgive me, Lord. I repent. I believe, as we're going to read later in Romans 10, that you died on the cross for me and you rose from the dead. I confess that you're the Lord. And you can be happy about that because he's the best master ever. Will he do what you want him to do? Not often. Unless you want him. You delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Wait, but he's the delight of my heart. Yeah, he'll give you more of him. And less of you. <laughs> and that's a great recipe, actually. But for many of you, you've already done that. And so what does it look like? It looks like you're remembering that your life isn't your own. It looks like you're remembering that God has called you to know him and to believe him and to be intentional about it and to learn. And so maybe there's some classrooms. Maybe there's some opportunities. Maybe there's some small groups. Maybe there's Bible study. Maybe you don't have a Bible and you need one. I can't give you this one because it's expensive. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> it was a gift. And so I receive it and I'm going to hang on to it. But we have other Bibles. We also have this thing called an app. And it has Bible on there. Yep. If it's on a screen, then I believe it. You are under the age of 30. But anyways, that's fine. <laughs> but you do need to, to move towards him and live for him and learn and live his point of view. His doctrine. Small groups, Sunday school classes. We have another one coming up about confronting Jesus right after Easter. Love for you to be a part of that. Finally, I'm going to say something that sounds really, really invitational because it is. <laughs> but it's also very intentional. Many of you have learned and you've got a lot in your mind. And you've got a lot going on in your life. And what I'm about to ask you sounds like burden unless you allow it to not be. You need to serve. Many of you have done a really amazing job of coming and receiving and learning. But serving has been really challenging for you. For various reasons. You've been hurt. You don't have time. You're exhausted. You feel manipulated. And I cannot try to take all those things away. I'm sorry you've been hurt. I pray that in your exhaustion, you'll find rest in Jesus. Come to me, he said, and I'll give you rest for your soul. But friends, he has not paid for you and me so we can just sit and receive only. There are seasons for that for sure. There are days for that for sure. But some of you have been avoiding serving, and you need to, to ask why. Here's a place that you can serve right now. We have host teams that are trying to have a there-you-are mentality with the guests that come in here, including people who already called this home for the 16 years that we've been here. Treat them like they're valuable and important. Serve them, do tasks. Yeah, but it's not just about the tasks. When you have people over to your house, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. But when they're there, you're not focusing on the work anymore. You're focusing on them. Have a there-you-are mentality. 
And many of you understand that because you've had mothers or you've had fathers or you've had authority figures in your life that served. The guests are coming. Let's help them feel welcome. There's children downstairs many times that come up here because their parents want them to. And we love them. You're welcome. I have 11 children. If I can't say welcome to the kids, I'm a hypocrite. But some of you want your kids to be able to learn in a way that makes a ton of sense for them. And some old man up front may not do it. And so they're downstairs. But oftentimes we don't have teachers. Oftentimes we don't have people that are serving and that are caring in that way. Either they're sick or they just not signed up yet. I'm super excited because we have all of what we need right now and you're sitting right here or you're online come hang out with us third Sunday of every month on second service we need host team people fourth Sunday first service we need host people fifth Sunday we need a whole team for first service you guys, this isn't guilt trip. This is an invitation. That's well, not what I want to do. Fresh. Tell me what you want to do. Let's go for it. You want to serve? You want to get out there? We just had serve Saturday, and we had a good group of people come. We could always use more. We need to know who needs to be served. We need to know the projects. I mean, now I got to go, but that is like a very intentional commercial. And the last one that I'll say is we have how many people, John? 22 men? 22 men that are going to our first men's retreat. That's an overnight thing. Talking with a friend of mine, he's like, I would much rather sleep at home. Yeah, me too. One night. Please pray for us. We're going to be talking about fellowship, koinia, being together. Serving Jesus, blessing each other, serving each other, and seeing the world transformed. Please pray for us. Speaking of pray, let's pray and I'll get you out the door. Father, I want to thank you so much for these amazing children and men and women. Thank you that we're made in your image and thank you that you love us and that you've called us. And if we have ears to hear and eyes to see your call and your life and your hand reaching out, then we get to actually be saved and to be set apart and to live like it. And I pray for those who aren't hearing that today. I pray that as they go from here, they won't be able to shake what they sang about or what they heard or what they read, and they would be drawn to you, and they would be saved, and it would be sooner than later. I pray for health and healing, first and foremost of their souls, and then of their bodies, their minds. God, may we allow, as bold as that sounds, you to do what only you can do, and that save and to set apart and strengthen us for the work of holiness. God, you're awesome. We love you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.